Thanks for listening to the teaching podcast for People of Hope Church. To learn more about our ministry in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, visit peopleofhope.church. Before we jump in the teaching this morning, I want to talk a little bit about why in the world are we at MTSU this morning? Why are we not meeting at the Boys and Girls Club or our new church has been regularly meeting? Why are we here? There's a couple of reasons. One of them is, is that college students are in college for a little while, but they are on their way somewhere else. Eventually, they plan to graduate. Um, they, they are on their way somewhere else. And what's beautiful about that, as you think about it, is every student at MTSU is on their way to be scattered into the world with their education behind them, with all the skills that have been built into them. And they're going to end up in countries all around the planet. They're going to end up doing all kinds of jobs. Some of the jobs will be related to their majors. Some of the jobs will be things that, that they had never thought that they would end up doing. But they're going to be out to the ends of the earth. And we want to be involved in encouraging and inspiring the students that are here now for a little while, but they're on their way somewhere else. We want to help set the course for them, and we want to give them some vision that they can glorify God in any vocation of life, in any place that he puts them. Sometimes we think that if you're going to glorify God with your life, you have to be a missionary or a pastor. But listen, we need Jesus people who are architects and recording engineers and doctors and nurses and teachers. We need all sorts of fields filled up with people who have a vision to glorify God in that vocation. We're also here because there's some students who they know exactly what they want to do. Uh, They were asked the question when they were a little kid, hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? They've always known and they're on the track and they came to MTSU and they're getting all everything they need to get ready and go. We want to help them. We want to help launch them in the right direction and help them see how God could use them. There's also a lot of students here who are like, I guess I should go to college. (laughs) I don't know what I'm going to be when I grow up. I don't know which thing to major in. I don't know which thing to choose. I don't know which career path to move toward. And if I were honest, I'm scared to death to pick the wrong thing. I'm absolutely scared to death to pick the wrong vocation and be miserable that I'm going to be stuck in some kind of a job. And we want to come alongside those students and we want to encourage them and offer them hope and say, listen, don't be afraid of that. God has been faithful to bring you this far. God's going to be faithful to lead you for what's next. But we want to come alongside those students at this important intersection in their lives. They've left high school world, they're in college world, they're on their way to grown-up world, and we would love to encourage them and help them. We're also here because this is a place, a campus that is full of people who are experiencing the realities of deep and intense pressure in 2019. There's a lot of pressure to to perform, and Maggie referenced it a little bit ago, a lot of uh, pressure to sort of kind of be impressive and to have a lot of followers and to to have a life that everybody else wants to live and all of those kind of things. There's a lot of pressure to be great and everything's wonderful, and that is extremely difficult to carry. When the reality for some people is down deep inside, there's some emptiness and there's some struggle, there's some challenges, there's some fears, there's some anxieties, there's some scars from some things that have happened in their world, and they are absolutely feeling that pressure every day as they walk the campus. A lot of them are also lonely. They have a thousand acquaintances and no true friends. 
Nobody to walk with them on their worst day. Nobody to cheer with them on their best day. We want to offer hope to those students. We want to come alongside their lives and say, hey, there's a church in town. If you don't have a place you can belong, we would love for you to come and belong with us. We are nowhere perfect. (laughs) We're a long way from having all of our junk together. But we are a welcoming people. And if you need a family, come on, hang with us. Some of those reasons and more are all why we're here at MTSU today. This is our first step in what I hope is decades long, Lord willing, of being a partner with this university and being a place where, we're, where college students know, man, I'm loved and encouraged and challenged and focused and prayed for and welcomed by this group in town called People of Hope. That's why we're here. So let's get going on that. And let's try to offer some encouragement this morning. Open your Bibles to the book of Matthew in chapter 14. Our Bible teaching today is the beginning of a brand new series that I've entitled, Hold On. Some hope when life seems rough. Hold on. Matthew 14, we're going to pick up in verse 22. Matthew 14 is this um, occurrence where Jesus has just performed this amazing miracle for thousands of people. This is the feeding of the 5,000. And all these people thought, man, we've been listening to Jesus teach. It's been incredible. It's been amazing. No one's ever taught like him. Our hearts have been touched. Our lives have been changed. And there's no food. And then Jesus said, you know, look, we understand there's a kid with a lunch, some loaves and some fish. And he multiplied them and blessed them. And all the people ate till they were full and they had 12 basketfuls left over. You guys familiar with the story? That just happened. And then we come to verse 22. Matthew 15, excuse me, Matthew 14, verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him on the other side. On the other side of what? On the other side of the Sea of Galilee. This is a, a, a sea that, that's in northern Israel, and it's, it's not massive. It's not like the Atlantic Ocean. It's, it's not too difficult to cross, but um, this is kind of how you traveled. From, instead of going all the way around the sea, this giant lake, um, they would go across it in a boat. He made them get in and go ahead of him on the other side while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. And later that night, okay, that's a key, key detail here. He'd been teaching during the day. The people had been fed. Now it was evening. Hey, disciples, guys, get in the boat. You guys go on ahead. I'm going to stay over here and pray by myself. I just need some alone time. Anybody else understand that? You just need a little alone time every once in a while. You've done people for a little while. You just kind of, you, you guys go ahead. I'm just going to get a little time. And so he had to pray. And then later in the evening, so time is progressing. Later in the evening, Jesus is by himself, it says. And he was alone. And the bow was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Most of us don't use the word buffeted very often in our everyday conversations. But buffeted is a term that's come, that comes from the idea of boxing. Um, that, that this buffeted, there's something that's hitting against and it's, it's causing resistance. And the idea here is the boat had not been making progress. The guys, the disciples, had been in the boat since Jesus put them in it. And now it's later on in the night and they have not gotten all the way across the lake and it shouldn't take that long. The wind was buffeting. The wind was hitting against them. The waves were choppy. The wind was fierce and they were in a boat. Can you imagine how frustrated they were? We thought we'd be further along than this by now. We thought it would go easier. We thought it would be much more smooth. All we had to do was get across this sea, this lake. And here we are hours later. We feel like we haven't gotten anywhere. 
Some of us may feel that way in life. I thought it was going to be so simple. I had a plan. I knew what we were going to do. I've done this before. It hasn't been so rough, but for some reason, it just feels like life is uphill right now. It feels like everything is buffeting me. It is boxing against me. It is all kinds of resistance. That's what's going on with the disciples on the boat. It was buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Verse 25. And shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. And when the disciples, hold on, don't you just love how Matthew just casually just drops that in? Yeah, Jesus went out and he was just walking on the lake. Okay, keep going. No, we're not going to keep going. He's walking on the lake. Just a reminder this morning, if you're kind of needing a fresh reminder about who Jesus is, Jesus is God. Jesus can do anything. Jesus is fully God. Jesus did not make his appearance in a manger in Bethlehem. Jesus has always existed as a part of the Trinity. He has always been around and here on earth, he is taken on skin and he has become an incarnate person living among us, but he is also fully God. And if Jesus wants to change the laws of gravity and buoyancy for a moment, he can do that. And here he is walking across the water. Walking out to the guys who haven't made a whole lot of progress in the boat. Verse 26, and when the disciples saw him, because it's the middle of the night right now. If you do a little bit of some word study and understanding of this, when, when they said it late into the night, it's about three in the morning at this point. Can you imagine how frustrated and exhausted these guys were? And now they're starting to think we're seeing things. Jesus, is that, what is that? Some, that's a person. Oh my goodness, they're, they're not in a boat. What they say? It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. Sometimes that English phrase, they cried out in fear, sounds just a little too composed and civilized. Let me translate that for you. They screamed. They screamed when there's that person around the corner of your house at night that you forgot was there and you walk around the corner and they're there in front of you and you let out a big old scream and you try not to punch them because they startled you. They screamed like that time when you're walking in the park and you run across a snake and the snake's minding its own business. It's like 20 feet away from you, but it's a snake. And you scream. Maybe, anybody else? Just me? Uh, okay, fine. Look, it's me. I don't do snakes. They screamed. They cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. And he was not scolding them. Jesus was like, what are you guys doing? Don't be afraid. He was just like, relax. It's okay. It's me. It's me. Exhausted, tired, fearful. These guys are hearing Jesus say, relax guys, it's me. In verse 28, Peter. Peter often puts his foot in his mouth. Peter who's actually often brass and bold and just kind of gets ahead of things. Peter is, is just having a moment of boldness right here. And it's, it's, it's pretty interesting. He says, Lord, if it's you. Now picture this. They're in a boat and the waves are still rocking. And the wind is still buffeting again. And so when Peter says, Lord, if it's you, I would imagine he's screaming this as, as waves and water are kind of coming over the side of the boat and crashing on the boat and spraying. And this is a noisy, loud place in the dark. Lord, if it's you, tell me to come out there to you. Tell me to come out there to you on the water. And Jesus in verse 29 says... And so there's Peter. 
Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water. Okay, hold on, Matthew. You cannot just casually drop that either. This boat that had to be doing all kinds of bucking and moving in the wind and the waves in the dark and all of this. And the guys were terrified. The guys were cranky. The guys were exhausted. And Peter is climbing out of this moving boat to step out on the water. And he walked out. And do, do, you, do you wonder what was in Peter's mind at that moment? What's about to happen? And I'm stepping out in this moment. I'm, I'm going to see what's going on. And he begins to walk on the water. I often wonder, was he like going up and down with the waves or was he just kind of walking steady? Doesn't matter, he's walking on the water. Peter begins to walk on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, kind of blew and he was like, oh my gosh, this looks scary. I could drown. When he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out. Lord, save me. Again, there's that word, those words cried out. He screamed, Lord, save me. Lord, save me. He thought he was going to drown. He thought he was toast. He began to sink under the water. And I wonder if in that flash of a moment, Peter began to think, what was I thinking? I could be back in the boat right now. What was I thinking? He's Jesus. He can walk in the water. I can't walk in the water. What in the world was I thinking? This wind is no joke. But he's beginning to sink, and he cries out, Lord, save me, and he reaches out. And the, the Bible says, immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. And I imagine here in these next words, you've got this idea of Jesus, who's calm in the middle of the storm, reaching out who's, to Peter, who's half-soaked, sinking in the water. And he looks at Peter in the eyes while he's gripping his hand and he says these words in the text, of you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when Jesus says this to Peter, he's not scolding him. He's not mad at Peter in this moment. He's like, what did you think was gonna happen? What, did you think I was gonna let you just go under? Did you think I was gonna stand here and watch you die? you. I'm here for you. The phrasing here that Jesus uses, he said, why did you doubt? When you unpack that a little bit in the original language, you discover that Jesus basically says to Peter, why were you double-minded in this moment? Why were you double-minded? Well, what do we mean by double-minded? Double-minded, he means this. He means you were looking at me and you know who I am and what I can do. And then you were also looking at the wind and you were pretty clear about what it can do. You were looking at me and that was one of your minds, but you were also looking at your surroundings and your circumstances and they were scaring you. They were scare-worthy. People drown in this sea all the time. You were double-minded. Why, why did you... Why did, why were you, you, you looked at me and you were looking at that. Come on, it's me. I'm not going to let you go down. I've got you. You're doubting, but I got you. You're afraid, but I got you. 
Verse 32, and when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. So the wind doesn't die down until they climb into the boat. So picture that again. Here's Jesus climbing into the boat. And here's Peter, who's absolutely worn out at this moment. He's absolutely soaked. He's climbing into the boat. Have you ever tried to climb into a boat out of the water? There's no smooth way to do that. I mean, it's just arms and legs flailing and panting and pulling yourself up and trying to just fall into the boat. And can you just imagine the other guys looking around at him kind of going, that didn't go so well, Peter. And I wonder if Peter might have even been laying on the bottom of the boat looking up out of breath as the wind dies down now that they're in. I'm wondering if Peter's just thinking... These guys, they must just think I'm such a fool. They climbed into the boat, the wind died down, and those who were in the boat worshipped him, Jesus, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. This morning, I want us to walk through four things together out of this text, just to kind of finish up our time in this Bible story and in this teaching Because all of us have these moments where things didn't go according to plan. We have these moments where the only thing staring us in the face is regret. We have these moments where we're like, I got to hold on because I was in a mess and I made the mess. And life is rough. And you felt like you were almost going under. It's the time to hold on. Let me give you four things today out of this story. Number one, hold on when you're following Jesus because it is not at all safe. Hold on when you're following Jesus because it is not at all safe. We want to be honest and Jesus called us to follow him. He said, take up your what? your cross and follow me, that there's going to be suffering and misunderstanding and rejection in in following me. This idea of following Jesus when everything is easy and comfortable and, and everything kind of lines up, that is never promised in God's word. You and I are never promised that we will avoid disaster or trouble or problems or sickness or difficulty or betrayal. We are never promised that we'll avoid those things. What we are promised is, is that our God will be faithful to meet us in the middle of our problems. To meet us in the middle of our trouble. So I would just say, hold on. When you're following Jesus... Because it's not at all safe. Sometimes Peter gets a bad rap in this story. We're kind of, oh, Peter, you of little faith. Oh, Peter, why did you doubt? But come on, there were 11 other guys who never got out of the boat. Can we give Peter some props for that? Peter was like, I want to go. Can we all agree that it was probably safer in the boat? It was at least more calm in the boat. The boat's still doing this. The wind's still blowing. It's dark. There's all kinds of stuff. They're exhausted, all that kind of stuff. But it was more safe in the boat. But here's Peter. I want to go. I want to go where you are. I want to do what you're doing. I want to be a part of what you're all about. And it may be a little bit risky, but I'm in. Because I know who you are and I know what you can do. And I've been around you and I've seen how faithful you are. I've seen the miracles you can work. I ate some of that lunch that got multiplied from loaves and fish today. I know what you can do. That was just a few hours ago. I want to go. I'm not going to cling to the sides of this boat. I'm going to climb out and follow you if you call me to go. And I love how Peter said, if it's you, Lord, call me to come out there. And And Jesus said, 
come on. And Peter said, you've called me, so now I'm going to trust you and I'm going to follow you. I wonder if for some of us in here, we're, we're having these thoughts where, like if I were, were to tell somebody the truth, I felt like God's leading me in this kind of life or this kind of major or this kind of job or this kind of relationship or to, to get involved in this area or this organization or to serve in this way or to sacrifice in this way. But I'm just clinging to the sides of the boat and I'm not really answering the call that Jesus has put on my life. And I would say to you, hold on. <laughs> As you follow Jesus, know it's not safe, but he's there. When you answer the call, you're walking out where he's walking already. So get out of the boat. Get out of the boat. Some of us in the room, we keep saying, you know, I really want, I really want Jesus to give me a, a call, just a, a real clear invitation to go be a part of something and do something amazing and just a really big call. And the reality is he gave you a call a few months ago, a few years ago, and you haven't been obedient to that call. And you're asking him for a new one because the one he gave you a few months ago or a few years ago didn't seem all that safe. You're waiting for a safer one. And he's saying, why do you think I'm going to give you a new one when you haven't been obedient when the old, with the old one? I just wonder if there's somebody in this room who has been holding back on getting out of the boat in a call of God because it hasn't seemed all that safe. And I would say to you, get out of the boat if he's calling because he's already there walking ahead of you. This is not a call to go and do something daring for Jesus. This is not a call for you to go and be foolish and crazy. and Oh, I got to figure out some way to have a risky faith experience. No, it's not that at all. But it is a call from the pastor this morning to say, be faithful to pray and be open-handed with your life. To say, Lord, wherever you want to use me in my school, in my office, in my sphere of influence, I'm in. And I know it may be risky. I know I may be rejected. I know I may be misunderstood. I may be, I know there may be some suffering involved in that. But if you call me, I'll go. So Lord, if you call me to come to you, I'll come. It's not a call to try to find some risk. It's a call to the adventure of answering Jesus when he invites you into what he's doing. And I just would remind you that if God has put a call in your life to speak to people on your team at your school or in your department or in your office or in your neighborhood or in your family, Jesus will enable you to do what you're not able to do on your own. Let me ask you a question. Did Peter always have the ability to walk on water? Probably not. We don't get that footnote in the Gospels. But when it was time to answer the call of Jesus, he got out of the boat and Jesus enabled him to do what he could not do on his own. And wherever God is calling you, he will enable you. He will provide what's needed to accomplish the call. Number two, hold on when it looks like you're going under. Hold on when it looks like you're going under. Peter's in this moment and he is beginning to sink, the Bible tells us. And he cries out, Lord, save me. And Jesus extends his arm and Peter reaches for it in that moment. And I would say to you, hold on. If it feels like you're going under, reach for Jesus. And before that gets absorbed as some kind of a just sweet sounding Christian kind of slogan kind of idea, just reach for Jesus. Here's what I'm basically saying. If you're about to sink and you've been trying to find a solution for the trouble in your world right now all on your own, why don't you give it over to God? 
and ask for his power right now. Some of you are sinking in the circumstances of your relationships and of your, of your circumstances in your, your school and in your circumstances of your job and in your marriage and in your, your, your life. Some of you are sinking in that. And one of the reasons you're sinking is that you've been trying to do it in your own power and you haven't prayed about it. You haven't cast your cares upon the Lord. You haven't gone to him and said, Lord, I need you to take over because I'm weak and you're not. So hang on when you're beginning to think, reach for Jesus. That's what reaching for Jesus looks like. And some of you may even be here in the room and you've never given your life to Jesus to become a Christian before. And you need to do that today because you're always gonna bounce up against the brick wall of your limits and your humanity. But Jesus can do anything. God gave Jesus to you and to me and to this world as a sacrifice for the guilt of our sin. Jesus died on a cross to pay for what you deserved and what I deserved for the punishment of our sins. Three days later, God raised him from the dead. And then God has made this offer to you and me that if we'll believe in Jesus, we can become spiritually alive when our sins made us dead. We can be completely forgiven. We can be clean and we can be adopted as sons or daughters of God. And in all of that, we have the opportunity to call God our Father. And when you're beginning to sink, you have the opportunity to say, Lord, save me. Lord, save me. If you're sinking right now, I love that you've reached out to your, to your mom. I love that you've reached out to your friends. I love that you've Googled it. But reach for Jesus. Because he can hold you up and keep you from going under. Number three, hold on when you're the one who created your own crisis. <laughs> hold on when you're the one who created your own crisis. Peter was there walking on the water and all of a sudden probably had the thought, wait a minute, I don't normally walk on water. <laughs> and that wind is pretty scary and those waves are pretty rough. Uh-oh. And in that moment of doubt, he's the one who created his own crisis. He was walking just fine. When he began to sink, it was not a, a problem with Jesus and his ability to enable Peter. It was not a problem with, you know, oh, there was a really big wave. It was a, you know, a Sea of Galilee tsunami that came up. No, none of that happened. Peter's problem became a crisis because of his own weak moment. So I challenge you today to hold on when you're the one who created your own crisis. Do your best, get back in the boat. I wonder if you've ever had these moments before where you realize just things are bad, the consequences are piling up, and there's tension and strain and fear, and it's just not going well, and a door you thought was open is closed, and something you had, we're all excited about is now just gone. And you kind of think, I need to own the fact that I'm the one who did that. I had a guy I had to let go on my team years ago, and he just wouldn't show up to things. He would 
supposed to be at meetings and supposed to be at events and supposed to be at stuff. And we had talked about it for a series of months and we said, listen, man, we're, we're fired up about you. You're awesome. You're a great part of this team. This is great. We just need you to, to show up on this because if you don't, then you can't keep this position. If you don't do what you're expected to do, you can't keep this position. And there was a day sitting in my office where I had to look him in the eye and I'm saying, listen, we're, we're finished. We're done. And you had an opportunity to fix it, to make it better. But now we're at a place where this position is no longer yours anymore. I wonder if you're in a situation where you're realizing I'm in a bad spot and it's my fault. I didn't turn in the work so my grades are in trouble and I didn't turn in the work because I stayed up playing Fortnite too long. Or the boss is mad at me, and it's not that my boss is a jerk, but it's the fact that he asked me to have something due to him on Thursday, and it's now Sunday, and I haven't even started it. And I created this mess, uh, because I know Monday is going to be bad. Sometimes we have these failures in life, these things that we've created our own crisis, and the, the instinct is just to curl in out of embarrassment, to curl in out of, out of just regret, and you don't, you, don't, you don't know how to go forward. I love that Peter didn't let this be the sum of his life. I love that this isn't the only thing we know Peter for in history. Have you ever heard of Peter, the apostle? Yes, he's the guy who was walking just fine, and then he doubted, and he almost sank. What a weasel. No. In God's grace, your mistakes are not final. Oh, they may have consequences, but your mistakes don't define you. And if there's anybody here this morning who's just carrying around regret and shame and guilt for something you caused last week, last decade, clean it up as much as you can. Own it. Stop blaming other people. And get back in the boat and move on. You're missing out on God's grace, forgiveness, and cleansing. And you're missing out on joy. Your mistakes do not define you. Is that good news for anybody today? Your boneheadedness does not sum you up. Your weakness and failures is not all that's true about you. You, like me, we're human. We're going to blow it. We're going to mess it up sometimes. We're going to be knee-deep in a crisis sometimes of our own making. Get up, clean it up, own it, and move forward. Hold on, even if you're the one who created the crisis. Last one, number four. Hold on when you're embarrassed by your weakness. Hold on when you're embarrassed by your weakness. <laughs> I often try to picture these moments with Jesus and the disciples and Jesus comes and they're afraid and he said, it's me, relax, it's okay. And Peter says, Lord, if it's you, ask me to come to you. And Jesus says, come. And Peter gets out of the boat and he's walking. I wonder if there was a moment where the boat's back here and he's walking. I wonder if there was a moment when he's like looking back at the disciples like, yeah, check me out. <laughs> check me out right now. And then, ah, 
you know, just a bad, a bad moment. And then he climbs back in and, and the disciples may be looking at him just like, yeah, we're checking you out, Peter, right now. I wonder if he was just embarrassed by it. Embarrassed by his weakness. Embarrassed by the moment that he just had a, a bad experience, a bad moment. What he needed in that moment was not a boat full of people who go, Peter, you're awful. Peter, your faith is weak. Peter, you shouldn't have gone out there in the first place. Peter, how dare you be so arrogant that you think you could walk on water with Jesus? Why do you think you're more special than any of us? He did not need a bunch of haters. He needed a circle of people to show him grace. And the reason I say to you, hold on, if you're embarrassed by your weakness, here's the deal. Because you should surround yourself with people of grace who will look at you and go, oh wow, so you're human. Me too. You blow it. You're really embarrassed. A lot of regret. Cool. I've had those moments. You're in a safe place here. We call that the church, by the way. We're a young church. We turn six months old tomorrow. And I hope and pray that God will grow us up and mature us as a church, that we will always be a place of grace. And if there's anybody who's blown it in their marriage, if there's anybody who's blown it in their opportunities, if there's anybody who's blown it in substance addiction, if there's anybody who's just been weak, let it be true that they're always welcome here, that they can find grace here. And that when they climb into our boat out of breath and embarrassed and soaking wet from the consequences of their foolishness, let it be said that we do not pile on. Let it be said that in that moment, we love them and hold them and encourage them and help them deal with their consequences and help them deal with their mess. And we help them out of their trouble, but we also dry them off and put a blanket around them and say, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Let's be those kind of people, amen? Let's be that kind of church because we're human. And I don't ever want it to have a thought that church is a place where you're supposed to be perfect. None of us are. And you don't have to pretend here. You don't have to walk in here and act like everything's good. And so if someone says to you, hey, how's your week been? If, if, if your week has been great, they're saying, oh, it's been great. But if your week has just been, you know, just awful, it's really okay to figure out a way to say that. It has not been a good week. I have been an idiot this week. I have created a whole lot of messes this week. I really want a do-over. I can't wait for Monday because this week has been bad. Whatever you need to say, say it. However you need to articulate it, articulate it. Because it's a safe place in the house of grace to be able to be a flawed person. So hold on. Peter climbing back in that boat, likely deeply embarrassed. He had some godly friends that show him grace. Let me ask you this. Do you have godly friends who are ready and poised to show you grace when you're foolish? If you don't, come hang out with us because we'd love to be that for you. We have these community groups that meet in homes twice a month and 
They do Bible discussion together, but they also do life together. And they talk about parenting and marriage and work and all those kind of things and days that are good and days that are bad. And we're able to be honest and truthful with each other and say, you know, not everything's okay. And I don't want to pretend and I don't want to put on a show and be fake and all this kind of, we're, we're, everything's not perfect. And in that moment, we get to surround those people and pray for them and encourage them and help them and love them. That's the kingdom of heaven coming to earth. That's grace being applied to all the mess of human weakness. And if you don't have that, come hang out with us. We'd love to love you in that way. I don't know if you've heard about this, but there's a football game happening tonight. Super Bowl 53. Are there any Patriot fans in the room? Oh my gosh. I mean, I thought there would be a couple of small, little awkward, half shy, like, yay, yay, but none. Are, are there any Rams fans in the room? Well, I think this is telling. What that basically means is the rest of us are really just excited about the food and the commercials, right? Is that, that the deal? Yeah. My community group's getting together this evening to watch the Super Bowl, and neither of the teams, I'm excited. Now, is anybody else in the room maybe saying, I'm for whoever is against the Patriots? Is anybody in that? Okay, yeah. Some of us kind of live that world right now. But uh, this is Super Bowl 53 tonight, this evening. And a few years ago in Super Bowl 49, it was the Seattle Seahawks playing against the New England Patriots. And Russell Wilson is a quarterback for the Seattle Seahawks, just a stud of a guy. He's only five foot 11 and he's playing NFL quarterback. He's an incredible leader. He's a strong believer in Jesus. He's a good, a good family man, just a, just a great, great guy. And they were coming down to the end of the game and they were there to beat the Patriots, the Patriots that no one here loves, the Patriots that, that are sort of thought of as the evil empire once in a while. They were driving down the field late in the game, ready to go, and the, the Seahawks were on the one-yard line, ready to score a touchdown and win the game. And with time running out, Russell Wilson drops back, and it's all on his shoulders in that moment. He drops back, and he throws a pass, and he throws an interception from the one-yard line. And the New England Patriot defender catches it, and the Patriots won the game. And Russell Wilson had nowhere to hide. <laughs> he wouldn't blame it on anybody else. He had to own that moment. He had to own that embarrassment. He had to own that awkwardness. He had to figure out a way to live with his own humanity and to give himself permission to not be perfect every day because none of us are going to be perfect until heaven. Some of us are missing out on the joy of the Lord in our lives because we're expecting perfection from us when God is not expecting you to be perfect. He knows you're not going to be perfect till heaven. Russell Wilson threw that pass and the game ended. And of course, reporters come and stick a microphone in his face and hit one of his lowest moments, right? Poor athletes. I mean, athletes are so exposed. They make a blunder and they live on YouTube forever. Well, look at Peter. Peter made a stumble, and it is recorded in the best-selling book in history. We're never going to stop talking about Peter's moment. But he got out of the boat, 
He had some courage and boldness. But he also had a weak moment, and he kept going. Russell Wilson was asked by one of these insensitive reporters who shoved a microphone in his face, and he said, you know, how does it feel to know that you let your team down? What a great sensitive question in that moment. Don't you love it? I heard an interview with Wilson, and he, he said, here's the thing when I think about that play, that moment on the one-yard line and all that was with it. You know what I'm thinking about right now? All I'm thinking about is the future. I'm thinking about what's next for me. I'm trusting God for what's next for me. This series we're doing called Hold On, today is about a mess you make for yourself. Next week is actually about injustice. When you're in a situation and you didn't do anything wrong, but there's a problem and you didn't cause it, it's injustice. Today, I just want to speak towards some people who may just have a lot of shame or embarrassment about who you were in high school, who you were last summer, who you were last month. Choices you made, your choices do not define you. And I'm challenging you to get back in the boat and to look to what's next. Shake it off, clean it up, own it, and move forward. The Apostle Peter went on to become an amazing leader in the Christian church. He was sort of the church leader over all of these early New Testament churches. They, they looked at him and they asked him to, to lead and make decisions. And they looked at him as an example. And they, they looked at him. Peter had more life to live. And he was being used by God in amazing ways further down the road. But he first had to get back in the boat when he sank. And I'm challenging you to do the same. Your mistakes in high school, your mistakes in the early days of your marriage, your mistakes last month, that's not the end of your story. God wants to use you. He can make you clean. He can make you new. He can give you good people of grace to walk with you. Get up and get back in the boat. Look to what's next. Our God is the God of second chances, amen? Our God does amazing things with flawed people. Our God does incredible things with people who have a past. And if you're struggling in shame and regret from some of your own personal choices, believe that God can change it. Our God can do anything, amen? He's moved mountains before. He can move what seems so big in your past. He can erase that video you keep playing over and over again in your mind. He can do it again. Let's pray. Would you close your eyes and bow your head just for a moment? Would you thank God that he has given you lots of grace and forgiveness for your own foolishness? Maybe you can think of times when you've just made poor choices. Maybe you can think about how you just went the wrong way. And yet God has welcomed you with open arms. 
Some of you in the room need to thank God where you're sitting right now that he didn't let you go under. He didn't, he reached for you and grabbed you and saved you. Some of you right now are in the middle of some trouble and you need to ask Jesus to save you. Lord, save me. Lord, save me. I've been my own worst enemy. Save me. I've done this to myself, Lord. Save me. Help me break free from the things that are dragging me down. Help me to trust you. Help me to believe you're bigger than the wind and waves. And if you are one who carries a lot of shame and regret from your past, maybe as best you know how, just in your heart right now, you just want to say, Lord, I'm laying down the shame of my past today and I'm not going to pick it up again. I'm going to lay it down. I'm going to leave it here. And I'm going to believe that Jesus has made me new. I believe I don't owe you anything for those sins that you're forgiven. You've forgiven me. And I believe that in Jesus, there is no shame. So I'm getting back in the boat and I want to see what you want to do with my life. God, thank you for sending Jesus to come for us, to reach for us, to die for us, to be raised to life for us. Lord, help us to become a church that's full of grace and not never piling on for people when they're weak. We believe second chances from you turn into amazing stories. Thank you, God. We've seen you move mountains before. We believe you'll do it again.